Welcome to the Boulder Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Davis. This episode is part of our 2020 Boulder Startup Week series. Because of the coronavirus, this year's Startup Week takes place virtually. We won't be doing as many interviews as we have the past two years, and we'll miss seeing everyone in person, but look forward to catching as many of the online sessions as we can. For more info and a full schedule, visit boulderstartupweek.com. On today's program, the Boulder Tech Podcast is being taken over by Creative Distillation, a podcast I produce for the Deming Center at the University of Colorado's Leeds School of Business. As they're a sponsor of Boulder Startup Week, I wanted to speak with someone from CU about their ties to the Boulder startup scene, then figured why not let CU talk to CU about the school's relationship with the local business community. I'll let Creative Distillation hosts Jeff York and Brad Werner take it from here as they take over the Boulder Tech Podcast. Welcome to Creative Distillation, where we distill entrepreneurship research into actionable insights. My name is Jeff York, Research Director at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Colorado Boulder. I'm here today with my guest host, as always, Brad Warner. I'm an entrepreneur, and I also work at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship. Uh, we have a really special day today, Jeff. We have two friends coming on. First, I think that I'd like to introduce Joel Davis, the producer of the Boulder Tech Podcast, and he also happens to be our producer. So, Joel, welcome. Hey, Joel. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's great to be here on your podcast, on my podcast. So, yeah, there's like two universes playing together. So, we're taking over the, the Boulder Tech Podcast, right, Joel? Yes, correct. So, that's the podcast that I've been producing for a couple of years now. It started during Boulder Startup Week 2018. And uh, today we're recording on Monday, May 11th. It's the first day of Boulder Startup Week 2020. Mm-hmm. Virtual edition, of course, like everything else, it's gone to Zoom. And Boulder Startup Week wanted me to speak with somebody from CU because CU is a sponsor of Startup Week. And I just thought, hey, let's see if we can work the Creative Distillation podcast into the Boulder Tech podcast and basically let you guys do the work of the interviewing. <laughs> And little did you know, we were very adverse to doing any work. Uh, but yes, uh, no, thank, that's awesome. So, so the Boulder Tech Podcast is usually about everyone's favorite beverage, right? That's what they usually talk about on there? Uh, that's actually the Creative Distillation oh. Podcast. The Boulder Tech Podcast uh. is about tech and Boulder. And okay. it's me speaking primarily with founders and other players in the tech community and, and other people that just interest me about what they're up to and why they're up to it. It's more about the people behind the tech than the tech itself. Excellent. And we also have a, another guest. We're going to hold off on introducing him real quick. Though. It's going to be a very special surprise. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for being here. And it's awesome. Joel has uh, been absolutely the only reason our podcast ever has a thin veneer of professionalism and our listenability is all thanks to Mr. Joel Davis. He's a, a here, here to that. A fantastic producer, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so in that vein, um, let's discuss our favorite beverage we're having now. Now, last time our guest was Trent Williams, who is an amazing scholar. And I often, when I go to conferences with Trent, I'll trade him uh, my dessert for his drink tickets. Uh, this is sort of the way the academic process works. So I was kind of disappointed. He was just drinking bottled water. I'm sure we can do better this week. Um, so what I have is I have a Weldworks Juicy Bits. And uh, for anyone that's not familiar with this, Weldworks is uh, a brewery that is in Weld County in Colorado, in Greeley, Colorado, to be specific. The only way I could get this was by driving there during the pandemic. They have guys outside in masks with gloves 
that will load up a case of beer for you uh, as you drive by, you open the trunk and they put it in. And I spent the rest of the day feeling horribly guilty about driving around and breaking the stay-at-home order to go buy beer. Uh, it seemed like it was probably not a necessary uh, purchase. Although one I'm very, very pleased about, they are an excellent brewery. They, they may not distribute them uh, near where you are, but if they do, I, I highly encourage you to, to seek them out. Juicy Bits is but one of their fine beverages. This one's a New England-style hazy IPA. Citra Mosaic, Eldorado hops, intense grapefruit, a little bit of a peach flavor to it, in my opinion. Uh, But they also make, my other favorite beer they make uh, is called I'll Have Samoa That. And they've actually made an Imperial Stout that tastes just like a Girl Scout Samoa cookie. Uh, Pretty amazing stuff. Even has like a mouthfeel like a Girl Scout cookie. And uh, they also have, oh God, what is it called? They have a sour banana strawberry beer. Which I purchased, and that I can't remember. That sounds disgusting. I I actually really liked it. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Oh, uh, fruit. Oh, guys, fruit something. That's how good it is it made me forget the name of it. Uh, and my daughter said that smells like a smoothie I left out on the counter for three days. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly right, honey. That's that's what beer nerds look for in a beer. Uh, it's actually, yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, but this uh, this is definitely one of their more approachable beers. They make amazing IPAs. Seek out their products. Uh, now that we're just safer at home, I guess you could drive out to the brewery and not feel so guilty. So that's what I'm having this week. That sounds great. Sure. Um, well, I have to tell you that I actually broke quarantine yesterday too for my first time. Um, I also drove somewhere to get um, to get something <laughs> more personal like a beer. It happened to be the Helping Hands Dispensary. Wow. And uh, I have to tell you, the one thing that I found from Helping Hands though, the efficiency about doing a curbside delivery is actually going to change the way the business is being done. And we could talk about oh, that later, but I, totally I, was, agree. I was actually shocked on how efficient it was doing it. But today, Jeff, I'm joining you with a beer from Wibby Brewing. I don't know if you're familiar with Wibby. They're from Longmont, Colorado, and this is called their Dunkel Lager. And mm. the Dunkel, though, um, actually tastes really, really Awesome. Um, other than that, it tastes like beer to me. I'm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very much in the pirate theme of taking our podcast. Where it's like the Beastie Boys, uh, where they would. Oh, well, never mind. I won't go into that. But if you've seen the Beastie Boys movie, you got to check that out if you haven't seen it. It's it's, awesome. it's, it's okay. so good, really good. Well, so Joe, good. What you, what, what's your beverage today? I am drinking Kirk and Sweeney 18 year Dominican rum. Holy cow! He's a real wow. pirate. Yeah, I got reacquainted with rum in the last couple of years, and this is one that I really enjoy. It's very drinkable, just straight up. It's got a very nice kind of vanilla, caramel flavor to it. So, uh, Jeff, you could trade your dessert ticket for drink tickets and get this and still kind of have a little bit of dessert. Although the Girl oh, Scout yeah, Cookie absolutely. Samoa beer is pretty desserty, also. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a serious, serious dessert. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, a Monday afternoon. It's we've cleared the two o'clock hour, so <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> time to crack open some rum. Clearly. <laughs> well, and and the three of us have finished our grading, hopefully. So we all, oh, we all yes. are deserving of a cocktail. I think it's a yeah. great time to also introduce our special guest. Find out what he's doing. Um, our special guest is Eric Mueller. Eric, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself? Great. Thanks, guys. Uh, first of all, I just want to comment. Uh, well played, Joel. I think that was two or three fingers of uh, some rum there that I saw. So you're not messing around, my Down friend. Down to two. Down to two. All right. <laughs> well, well played. Hi, everybody. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I have the pleasure of working with uh, Jeff and Brad. 
I'm a colleague and really have a blast teaching uh, entrepreneurship uh, with both of them. And so it seems like I, I have to talk about a beverage then. Is that is that how? That's that's a general idea. I mean, you know, you could sit it out if you want. But. I, no, I'm not sitting that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not sitting that out. But I got to say, this this is the most unique introduction that I've ever done. Usually it's like, oh, he got his graduate degree here and he started this business and blah, 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 blah. I don't care about that stuff. And I love that my my introduction will be around booze. You know, and I'm going to I'm gonna go off script here. You guys know me as, as a beer hound. But, uh, you know, when you, when you said to share a beverage, I'm going to share with you a Deer Hammer Buena Vista Brandy. Wow. And there are only 400 bottled of this brandy. I have bottle number 71, and it was hand bottled by I can't re- I can't read the person's name. But let me uh, let me just share with you kind of on the um, on the back of the label here. This brandy is one of Deerhammer's most alluring spirits. Mm-hmm. The result is luxurious, luxurious, mind you, a full-bodied, rich spirit with notes of vanilla, dark fruit, honey, and spices. I don't care who you are. I I think you got to have a a little bit of that. But quick note around this. The reason I pulled this is Deer Hammers brewed in Buena Vista, Colorado, as I mentioned. They went to our very first Rural Colorado Workshop Series six years ago. They were kind of struggling. They came to our workshop, CU-sponsored workshop, and now they are distributing. They've got a really amazing whiskey, but they're distributing across the entire United States. Uh, wow. And they built a really cool venture in the sleepy town of Buena Vista on the, the shores of the Arkansas River. And so that's why I chose the Deerhammer brandy to share with you guys this afternoon. Man, I love it. it. Actually, when awesome. I hear brandy, I think of ice fishing and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I have to give you credit for uh, the correct pronunciation of Buena Vista. Ah, are you from the area, Joel? No, I'm not, but I've just lived in Colorado long enough to know that if you say Buena Vista, you're obviously not oh, no, from around no. here. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll give you, I'll just say, a very, very harsh look if you say, yeah, I'm going down to, to Buena, not Buena Vista. Uh, so, yeah, it's an amazing community down there. I love our rural communities in Colorado. Brad, I think we just found our second post-pandemic road trip location for creative distillation. But you know what? That actually is a great way to to talk about this briefly. Eric, would you mind just kind of giving an overview of CU and specifically the Deming Center's outreach to rural Colorado and, and how that's looked and evolved over the last few years? Yeah, you bet, Brad. We're just so lucky to partner with amazing folks around the state. So we started, actually, quick story, it started around a beer and a Harley ride. So there was a gentleman that went to one of the workshops I had uh, given about seven or eight years ago. And he said, hey, our small community in, in J.P. County could use some um, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, you know, some entrepreneurial thinking. How about you come down and, and run a workshop? And I said, well, hey, if you put me up in a hotel and buy me a few beers and give me an excuse to ride my motorcycle down. And yeah, that was, uh, gosh, over seven years ago now. And within two weeks of concluding our workshop in Buena Vista, uh, we had about three dozen emails from communities all across the state to do something similar. So the, the goal of the workshop series is to really elevate the entrepreneurial way of thinking in our rural communities, which leads to business starts and business growth, which ultimately leads to job creation. So we're now entering our seventh year of running this program, and we're in every major geographic region throughout the state. 
and it's some of the most fun work that I get to do. I get to work with Brad and, and others all across the state in helping our rural communities really drive economic development. Yeah, it's a great mission. And truthfully, if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. I'm fortunate enough to work with Eric. We go to Southwestern Colorado um, every year. And the difference that it makes is really incredible to these local entrepreneurs, just the, the support that we were able to give them. And, uh, and it's nice that they have kind of a sounding board all year, even if we're not down there. So I think it's just fantastic work. Thanks. I, I totally agree. It's, it's so much fun. Our rural communities kick ass. Yep. Totally agree. Very cool. All right. So we have covered our beverages. The beer I was trying to think of is called Fruit Camp, by the way, just to make sure uh, I get that name out there so you can speak that out. I think we're going to do uh, just a quick uh, everyone's favorite story of entrepreneurial responses to COVID-19. Just quick, and then we'll, then we'll get into talking a little bit with, uh, with Eric about uh, Boulder Startup Week. So my favorite, I'm going to do two, I'm going to do one really quick one. So really interesting Wall Street Journal story, I believe, about how Nike, which usually takes about 22 weeks to bring a market from a prototype to something they might think about manufacturing, started making face shields in less than two weeks. I just thought that was super cool. I'm not a huge, I mean, Nike definitely has had their struggles, ups and downs. I think it'd be hard for anyone to argue that they're not a genius marketing company and incredibly innovative on a consistent basis. And uh, it was just a really cool story. I mean, you saw the face shields, they almost, there's no swoosh on them. Uh, even Nike didn't go that far. But uh, they just look cool compared to the face shields. We'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the efforts to make face shields at home and things like that. So I've become familiar with like face shields from trying to make my own here for our local community. Uh, and then the second one I want to talk about, I've plugged these guys before, but Upslope Brewing Company here in Boulder is one of my favorite companies. Just amazing member of the community, do all sorts of stuff on sustainability. They had a Mother's Day special yesterday. And if you missed it, you missed it. It's too bad. They delivered uh, a local uh, bouquet of flowers done by a local artisanal florist that came in like one of their chalice-like glasses, along with a 12-pack of your, your mom or, or wife, in this case, his favorite beer. And uh, they threw in an extra crowler as well with it. I just thought that was super cool. And I've never had anyone wish my wife Happy Mother's Day so many times as the guy who delivered this onto our front porch. She must have said it four times. Of course, we were trying to get the dog away from him and things like that. But anyway, amazing offering, really cool idea, nice pivot of bringing together two local entrepreneurial companies. So I've gone from Nike to the most local company that I spend a lot of time with. Uh, what, what kind of stories you guys got about entrepreneurial responses to COVID-19 this week? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I that stands out, and, and I think that on a smaller level, when we're talking about students and startups, the list is really endless. So I would just like to shout out all the people that have actually just taken action to try to do something to help the local community. I actually would feel bad about saying one or two are great. All of right. the attempts are awesome. They're freaking yeah. awesome. And it's heartening to, to see the spirit in the entrepreneurial community instead of sitting around and pulling the covers over your head like we talked about last podcast, Jeff, that yeah, they're yeah. actually taking action and they're making small changes. And these small changes can lead into very, very big changes over time. And to That's me, right. that is just, it, it gives me great pleasure to know that I'm in the right space and working with the people that I want to surround myself with and be in that type of environment. It's incredibly uplifting for me to see all of those types of actions. Absolutely. And, that, and that's totally in line with what Dr. Trent Williams was telling us last time. When people take action, not only does it have a positive outcome for those that they help, but they actually gain uh, the positive psychological effects of taking action, no longer feeling like a victim. It just changes your whole mindset. 
And so, yeah, I mean, it's, we're incredibly lucky as faculty members to be able to work with students to try to coach them into taking action. Uh, and I know you and, and Eric and, and well, myself, all, all last semester we were involved in that. But Eric, what's your, uh, what's your favorite story of the last week or so? Gosh, you know, there's so many people taking action, which I'm so inspired by. And I don't know if we're going to talk about this specifically later, but the student teams that pivoted. Let's talk. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, I'll kick it off. And and really, Brad drove this in terms of working with so many student teams. But the foundation was we had uh, Scott and Tracy King, who are on our faculty, Scott is, uh, said, hey, let's take action. Let's help our community. And so they invested $25,000 for our student teams to pivot from ideas they've been working on for three months to take a month to solve a COVID challenge. And we had over 15 teams raise their hand and say, I'm going to throw away everything I've done for the last three months and I'm going to help my community. And I'm going to solve a problem. It's freaking amazing. And I just, I'm sorry. I just got to step in for a second. I have watched student teams persistently for an entire semester be told their idea is no good, uh, come in last place in every competitive challenge, me go have one-on-one conferences with them about, hey, this isn't going to work, and they never will change. I mean, occasionally student teams change, but usually they're so locked in, and you're saying 15 of them changed. Yep. That's amazing to me. That's just astounding. Well, and the more amazing part is these are graduating seniors that could have actually sat on a couch for three or four weeks. So they right. actually raised their hand to do more work, right? So they really were that compelled to do this. But the King family, through their gracious donation, has actually given these teams runways now that if they want to launch their businesses, that they have the ability to do so, which is amazing. And there are some teams that have, have really risen to the challenge, wouldn't you say, Eric? Oh my gosh, so much so. Yeah, and, and just today we, we had a, a, an additional pitch competition for teams to pitch for additional funding through the summer, and each team could get up to two grand to continue implementing their concepts. And so, for example, one of the concepts is called BioBox, and it's about sanitizing current protective oh. equipment. So, you know, which is a big challenge right now, as we've all read about. So, their solution is real. They've got couple of engineers, they've got business students, they've got, you know, so they've got a cross-disciplinary team that's tackling a very serious problem. And they've got serious traction. They've got a prototype up and working. They're talking with hospitals in, in how they can sanitize equipment. So yeah, just today, we had a chance for them to get more investment dollars. And they are committing this summer to help our community and do this. You know, a couple of engineers and one of our business students, they had you know, I think they still have real offers on the table. Like, no, we're, we're going to pause and we're going to help our community. So it was just amazing. And Brad, most of the folks pitching were Brad's teams. He's done an amazing job and just inspiring them to want to take action as opposed to just kind of sit on the couch. Yeah. And, and they are taking action. And the really cool thing about the, the specific company that you're referencing, Eric, is they're one-tenth the cost of their competition. So they really took this down to the bare bones. And you're talking about a product, five or $600 versus uh, six or $7,000. And so what it does is the market that they open up to, right? It becomes affordable to just about anyone that needs that type of technology. Uh, so it's really amazing. And, and I'm actually really excited to see where they go because I, I think that this has legs. And I think that um, all of our listeners will be hearing about Viobox in the near future. This is virtually the same technology that Governor Polis was just posting. Hey, we got another one. 
that allows us to sanitize N95 masks. Is that what you're talking about? Right. And, and they could do it in five minutes. Well, that, that was literally like a, a big story here in Colorado, like four days ago, where the governor was excited. We got another one of these. Right. So you're saying these guys can produce at a tenth of the cost. That's, that's amazing. That's really yeah, cool. That's amazing. I'm just curious, where are the other teams that stood out? Actually, I have kind of, I feel like I have a horse in the race or five horses in this race. So I'll leave it to I you. No horse yeah, well, you know, so, so the other concepts was, was a virtual reality solution for patients that, you know, are having a tough time recovering. And so it's kind of a pain management, you know, system via VR. Uh, another concept was around uh, finger cots. I think they were called. I can't remember exactly. But, but ultimately, when you go and you type in your PIN or you sign on a, on a credit card machine at a, at a retail store, they have a solution to, to keep that sanitized. And, and another concept is around kind of consulting with small businesses that are really hurting and uh, helping them wherever they need the help. So those are just a few of kind of the different concepts that are out there, at, you know, making a real impact and helping. Uh, so, so that's my inspiring COVID story for the week. Uh, these students that have just raised their hand to, to help our community and take action and the credit to all of our faculty that teed this up for our students to have this experience. It's real, it's tangible, and it's making a, an impact. And Very it's cool. also a validator of diverse teams, right? We have people from the engineering school, business right. school, all over the place. And I can't speak highly enough about the value of diversity in your team and diversity of thought versus having just a bunch of everyone's the same and pretty much yes men or yes women. Uh, to yeah. have this diverse thought really gives um, these startups a much greater chance of success. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think cutting across the boundaries within schools and the university is something that everybody, every university, every entrepreneurship program talks about. It's really exciting to see that we're making strides to actually do that. I mean, I know we're doing that in my classes. I think more than half of my students are from outside the business school now. And uh, the first time I had a guest judge in who'd been coming for years when this started to happen, she's like, oh, my God, well, you must have become like such a better teacher this year. Uh, I was like, well, uh, no, probably not. Why, why do you say that? She's like, these ideas are so good. I'm like, no, it's because they're cross-disciplinary teams this year. They're, they're not all business students nodding at each other and saying, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, when you get the engineers involved, you get policy people involved, you get right. people from our variety, you get people from the arts involved that actually know how to create a message and, and transmit it in a meaningful way and touch people emotionally. All of those disciplines come together. And I think that's really part of the huge potential of entrepreneurship is bringing together people that have had different things to solve uh, one problem. And the benefit of going to the University of Colorado, I don't want well, to plug sure, our, our place, but it, I love it here. You guys know that. But to have the flexibility to be able to do that within the bureaucracy is really extraordinary and very, very different than a lot of other schools. It is. It is. And it's something we're just trying to do more and more of. So we're, we are uh, pirating and taking over the Boulder Tech podcast. So I guess we should talk a little bit. Eric, uh, you know, as the executive director of the Deming Center, essentially uh, Brad Mine's boss, we thought we just cut, you know, we already had the dean in, so I guess we can't do too much to like, this thing shut down. Uh, maybe we can, I don't know, we'll try. But anyway, you know, tell us a little bit, like, you know, I don't particularly, you know, I often have students that are doing sort of uh, tech-based businesses, almost always, and I'm aware of the Boulder tech community, but could you just tell us a little bit about what are some of our ties and to, to what you think of as the Boulder Tech community from a Leeds Business School perspective, or CU perspective. Even. Yeah, you bet, Jeff. No, I think it's a great question. It's actually really part of our secret sauce uh, as a university is the way that we connect 
with our tech community. We do it in a number of ways. You know, one is fairly traditional ways in terms of having the local CEOs come into our classrooms and guest lecture, be at a panel, judge our students' presentations, you know, et cetera. Uh, second of all is through mentoring. Uh, we have uh, our tech community mentoring our teams. I counted the other day, 172 businesses have been created at Leeds. And so we have mentors that obviously help coach and provide guidance to all of our student venture teams. Uh, so that's been a huge connection with our tech community. And some other ways that I think have been pretty creative as well is, you know, we, we tap the tech community to be on boards and to actually take a much more active role, right? Board of advisors or directly involved in making connections with investors, uh, you know, et cetera. But we make that deliberate ask, like, you know, you could be more engaged and more involved if you would like as well. And one other thing I'd like to mention in terms of how we're engaged is applied to and relevant to this um, COVID time. So we created a program called CoVenture Forward, mm -hmm. and this directly involves our tech community. And this was spun up to help our small businesses and our entrepreneurs that are really suffering, as we all know, over 20 million unemployed businesses are really struggling. And I'd be happy to share the experience I have with, with our own business in that regard as well. But we, we spun up CoVenture Forward, which is a mentoring platform where anybody from a nonprofit to an artist to a software development company can talk with a seasoned expert that's been through a down cycle or uh, you know, has expertise in their area to basically just provide a fresh perspective and say, look, here are the three things you should look at, right? People, places, you know, the money, you've got to really shore up your, your cash flow, whatever that may be. But so valuable to these businesses that are just absolutely shocked that their business has gone to zero literally in like a week or two. So that's another example of how we're connecting with, with our local tech community. There's so many other ways that we, we connect, but those are really kind of the key ones. Yeah, so I've done a couple of those mentoring sessions and it's um, really pretty powerful. And, and I, I feel, so my first mentee was a, a Pilates studio. And, uh, you know, I, I vaguely know what that is. Now I do. And I was just like, gosh, I'm, how am I going to help this Pilates studio? Like, what the hell can they possibly do? I mean, this is terrible. Like, you know, and it was, it was an awesome conversation and, and not being, you know, I mean, I, I worked in the dot-com boom. That's how old I am. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with web technology and I was able to help her come up with just a, a high level, you know, tech strategy. Like, hey, you know, you could you could do these online sessions, you could do one on one coaching. But it all boils down, like you were saying, Eric, it boils down to people at the end of the day. I was like, so who are your current clients, you know, and, and who are the people you have connection with? And why not just reach out to them and see if there's something you can do to help them? And and I think she's been able to help quite a few people and, and actually develop a whole nother, as you were saying earlier, Brad, I think this is you know, we can look at, obviously, there's so many horrible things happening with the COVID pandemic. I'm not trying to downplay that or anything. But at the same time, there are so many opportunities and innovations that are going to come out of this. I mean, just the efficiency with which people are able to deliver their services. I mean, it's going to be a massive change in education, our industry, for sure. But I think all industry. And the other thing is, is that you could take a terrible event like we're going through right now and reimagine your world. In a sense, we've hit a full stop. How do we want the world to look when we come out of this? And most people don't have that opportunity in a lifetime. And as a society, we do right now. And right. what does that look like? And from where we live, and especially in the Boulder area, 
Eric was referring to, I come from Chicago, you guys know, and collaboration in Chicago means put your hands up without a fight. And uh, <laughs> collaboration in Boulder is people really are helping. Now I've heard of this before I moved here, yeah. but seeing it, it really is true. Yeah. Well, so yeah. to be, to be entrepreneurs in this, the ecosystem, the startups that we have in town here and the collaborative uh, mentality is truly amazing. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens truthfully. Uh, and sorry, just one other thing to add about our connection with the tech community in Boulder. I, I forgot to mention, you know, we even have a, a, a lot of our tech CEOs and investors come in and teach class oh, yeah. and lead a class. They'll either coach along with um, another faculty member or they'll lead a class. So, for example, Jim Franklin, he's going to re-engage and teach a class for us. He's the one that took SendGrid to the next level. Great example. So, our students get to learn from these tech CEOs and, and founders directly so it's another connection that we have with, with the community is we bring these amazingly talented tech folks in our community into the classroom to actually teach and lead uh, classes, you know, as well. It's just so weird for me. I'm not arguing about a research paper. I really don't know what to do. Like, uh, just sit back and convince you. Guys, you know, yeah. I'm glad I'm not because you guys would have beat the hell out of me. I'd be like, oh, no, this paper. Like, But I will say this. I will say this. Let me just tell you about this paper I'm writing. No, I'm just kidding. So no, I think I think what Eric's talking about, and he and I have, have known this for years. We've we've taught together and actually taught back to back sections. And we've always talked about like what is so I think neat about what we do in Boulder and at CU is that we do bring together people who are heads down in the research, writing papers, you know, studying entrepreneurial phenomenon. We have those people teach, but then we also will have your next class taught by somebody who has had three successful exits. Or vice versa. And so you get the, the sort of best of both worlds. And what I love about our faculty is like, you know, I, I would just as soon hang out with our, our teaching faculty who are all actual entrepreneurial experts as I would with my fellow researchers. And I think that's something a bit unique. I mean, this isn't the pump up CU uh, show or anything like that. Uh, they'll nevertheless take over their podcast again if we do that. But, uh, but it is. I mean, and, and, and I think it's also, and what I was going to get to is, it's also something about Boulder because you do have all of these amazing entrepreneurs. You have all this startup activity, but you also have multiple national laboratories and institutes based here. I mean, you just, it's, I don't know. I'm, now I sound like I'm trying to pump up Boulder, but it's real. It's true. And it is even persisted during the pandemic. Well, let me tell you one more thing that's real that um, I just find amazing is we have a member of our faculty who started a company in 2008. And as of two weeks ago, his company just bought Raytheon. So if you think about going from zero to that, it's really amazing. And he's in the classroom, students love him, and all he wants to do is give back, talk about his experiences, and really just, just amazing. And uh, come on, guys, we're, we're lucky to be where we are because of the people that we get to meet. It's, it's really, talk about fulfilling work, this is it. Yep, well, I agree. And I'd say we've got a, a great connection with the tech community. Could it be better? Yes. And so for those that are listening in our Boulder community, definitely let us know as yeah, well. So some other ways that we can make connection even deeper. Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention too is we're developing programs that better prepare our students to make an impact in the tech community. Right. For example, our High Growth Venture Fellowship Program, which is teaching students how to scale, not just start up, but also how to scale. So we, we really listen to our tech community, I think, in a pretty good way. Could we be better? Absolutely. 
but I'm thrilled to be on Joel's podcast here to, to share that we're doing our part as part of our ecosystem as a university to help our tech community as much as we can. Again, are we perfect? Absolutely not. Could we be better? But, but I think um, overall, I am so appreciative of our community. Like I mentioned from the very beginning of this discussion, that's really the secret sauce to what we offer to our students in entrepreneurship is this connection with the tech community and, and, and how our students can learn directly from these amazingly talented CEOs and investors and others. Yeah, I was just looking at my final tie. I had 28 guests from the community in my class this last semester in one class. Wow. Got it crazy. Uh, and awesome. that class actually is all based around requiring teams to consist of business students. And, and we, we love engineers. So, so as, as much as possible, getting engineers and business students working together. And uh, they were able to do some really cool stuff. But anyway, so it's Boulder Startup Week. It's virtual. But Eric, you're, you're involved in this, right? What, what are you up yeah. to during Boulder Startup Week? Yeah, I love BSW, uh, and I'm glad and thrilled to, to hear that they wanted to go virtual. Uh, I've been a part of BSW since the beginning when we had just a few dozen uh, uh, panels. Gosh, what is that, 9, 10, 11 years ago now, something like that. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to be a part of the university track. Tomorrow, I'll be hosting a session called Entrepreneurial at Every Age, Creating cool. Impact from Kindergarten Through Retirement. Oh, I'm, awesome. I'm actually super excited. I've, I've got a sixth grader that's going to join. I've got a ninth grader. I've got a college student, myself, and then I've got a, a retiree. So we're covering most of the generations. And Quinn, who's going to jump on, who's my sixth grader, she's quite the, the enterprising uh, young gal. She does like the typical lemonade stands, but she makes jewelry. She sells it online. She's got an Instagram that she sells on. She's, you know, at sixth grade. So We'll be able to hear what entrepreneurship means from a sixth grader to somebody that's retired. So anyhow, running a session tomorrow as part of the university track and love BSW. I love the sense that, hey, let's all come together and help each other. Uh, I, I think it's, pretty, it's, it's a pretty special week. It is. You know what, though? Think about it. The general population, the average person when they hear startup, they think about these young people, tech-oriented, doing right. something, right? And you, you see these big, uh, the big names, you know, the Facebooks and all that. But entrepreneurship and startups is a much bigger universe than kind of that narrow focus. And I'm, I'm also really picking up people 50 and older now transitioning, people that work for IBM and the kind of the, the general track that you would have started in the 70s, maybe, the business right. track. They're now starting their own ventures and really this world is opening up. And the thing is, is age doesn't matter. It's all about validation and understanding your target market and all those things that we talk about. And whether you're six years old or 65, years old, in a sense, the process is relatively the same. And um, I would say that um, everybody's created equal on that playing field. And I think that that's really cool. I got to do one quick actionable insight here, since that's our, our charge, based on what you guys are saying. So what the research shows is um, there used to be a real fallacy in that you would try to look at the success of entrepreneurs by their various characteristics. And you know some of the stuff's just downright offensive, and it's all pretty much Every finding you can find that says, oh, entrepreneurs are extroverts or, you know, even worse, they're male or whatever nonsense. Turns out you can find the exact opposite finding. So they don't hold up. I'll tell you what does, though, is people having failed at starting an earlier venture. And so when you look at an entrepreneur, I think this, hopefully this is useful to you, probably not, Eric, but, but anyway, when you're talking about that, when you were talking about all these people of different ages, I think that's a really, that's the way we have to think about entrepreneurship. 
It's something that occurs at multiple times, at multiple stages over your lifetime. And it's a way of taking action and thinking, it is not this person's an entrepreneur and this person is not an entrepreneur or this person's like young and is going to start a new app and oh, this person's you know, retired so they can't be an entrepreneur. All that stuff is nonsense. Like the research shows it's nonsense. So if there's anything uh, I would say, it's actually, I don't mean to be a cheerleader here, but none of it matters. What matters is thinking about what is the opportunity? How are you going to pursue it? Who do you know that can help you? And how do you take action right now? Thinking yeah, I, that way, I, I think that that's move. awesome, Jeff. Uh, uh, you know what? Well, and I had to do thing, one. I had to do no, one. I, I, I like it. But even one more thing, entrepreneurship is always associated with risk. But in the time of COVID, there is no risk by going and helping your neighbor, right? Just that's getting right. outside and helping one person, right? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least you try yes. helping someone. And if it works, you all of a sudden end up scaling maybe something even by accident. And I think that we will see things that'll uh, kind of grow out of this situation that actually do happen by accidents, but out of good hearted people. And I think that that's going to be really interesting as well. Okay. We've talked about Border Tech, Tech community. We've talked about relationship. Yeah, I have a question. I have yeah, a question yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm sorry. Wow. So um, Eric is an entrepreneur as well. He started many businesses. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention that. Uh, but, but beyond that, can you make a prediction if there was one change that you see coming that we could maybe rewind this podcast five years from now? What would that prediction be? Ooh. Oh, that's a great question. Prediction. I guess there's, uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind. As a teacher, there's no doubt that technology is going to be more integrated uh, more than ever, right? And even when we get back into in-person teaching, we're going to use what we've learned during this time moving forward, no matter what, in terms of technology, video technology, um, collaboration online, you know, et cetera. Here's a prediction. Here's the other thing I'm going to predict. And this could be an old fuddy-duddy type prediction, right? A lot of people are like, ah, oh, you're just, just an old guy. But I think that more than ever, the in-person human connection is going to be valued. Hmm. I think we're all holed up around the world in, our, in, the, in the same walls and we're doing the best we can with these remote tools. And I think they're fantastic and, and amazing. But I'm starting to feel that people are starting. It, it's almost like we took it for granted that we could get together for beer. We took for granted that we could go over to our mother's house and give her a hug. Right. We took for granted that we could go play with other folks in the park and let our kids play soccer without thinking, you know, my gosh, are they going to get sick? Right. So my prediction will be that we're going to value even more so the human in-person connection. And I think there's going to be a lot of businesses that are going to spin out of, uh, out of that sense. Really cool. I'm curious, Brad, what would, what would your prediction be? I want to, I want to hear what you would oh, say. Well, so I have, I have a lot of predictions. Well, first of all, I think entrepreneurship, you could actually change the future. It's a sure. lot of small steps, so you can have that vision. But I just want to go into this, the sense of retail is going to be different. And I'm not talking Amazon. It's going to end up being Amazon and Walmart. I think that the mom and pops, for mm -hmm. instance, yesterday I picked up a, a hiking backpack for my granddaughter to go on the trails with us and went to the local Moose Jaw, called them, they'd taken the credit card. I pulled up into Moose Jaw and three seconds later, they had it in the back of my car, didn't touch anything, waved goodbye, and that was it. Now, if I'd gone to buy that at Moose Jaw, it takes 20 minutes just to get through the register line, 
right? So there's so many inefficiencies that we become complacent with that I think are going to go away. And it's going to be really interesting to find how that works. But I actually think it may be the rebirth a little bit of some mom and pop businesses where you can do the research online and in a sense, they'll fulfill your order right now. Right? You don't wait for two days for Amazon. It's better for the environment to be able to do that right? without the packaging and all these types of things. Sure. So I'm thinking that we're going to see a real big change in the way retail is done. And one of my loves also is hospitality and hotels. I've been brainstorming what that might look like. I'm still uncertain about that, but there are going to be big changes in uh, hospitality as well. Yep. So I got, I got one for you. I wrote it up um, two weeks ago in the conversation. And the title was COVID-19 is a dress rehearsal for an entrepreneurial approach to climate change. And I think we're going to realize, at least I hope we're going to realize, just how insignificant human effort is in the face of nature and that we are going to have to figure out entrepreneurial solutions. What I mean by that is things that don't exist right now. The problem with climate change is we're on a clock that's ticking and as it's it, it slowed down for just a second, basically, but it's speeding right back up. And um, my hope is coming out of this, people will realize just how big of a problem that is, because this really is, you know, while, while God willing, we will have a vaccine, you know, within the foreseeable future, when we think about more long-term problems like climate change, like income inequality, like social unrest, I mean, these are things that it's going to be actually harder to solve than this. So I'm hoping that this uh, crisis gives current entrepreneurs and future entrepreneurs like our kids a sense of like, hey, I can do something in the face of uh, really almost seemingly insurmountable odds. So I'll go ahead and predict that's going to happen and be optimistic. Boy, I hope, I hope you're right. Uh, but I look at places like India and China that are effectively going through their industrial rev revolutions like we did 100 years ago. Yep. Um, technology can help them. And in a sense, I'm hoping that we develop it and give it to them. Uh, because otherwise, there is no incentive for, for some of those folks to change. Well, someday we'll actually talk about my research. And I'll tell you why I, I, I think that's probably going to happen. So anyway, I'm not sure if the United States will create. Somebody will, though. Anyway, we can talk about that at a different time. And also, Joel, right? You've been doing these for a long time with Boulder Startup Week. Maybe some of your takeaways. I'd actually love to hear your prediction as well. Something oh, five yeah, years yeah. The, Sorry, Joel. You muted yourself there. And, so I mean, that's you've okay. talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, so yeah. Anything that's ever resonated with you that was looked really helpful that didn't or something that you've heard now that you're hopeful for that in five years we could really change some lives? I feel like I should have a better, more cogent answer for this than I do, but I don't. But one thing that jumped out at me was I saw an article the other day about the co-founder of Pandora and Westergren, how he really regrets how Pandora the direction that it went because he started it to help the artist and connect people with new artists. And it just didn't really go that way. And the least served of all the people involved with Pandora are the artists for the most part. And so being a music guy myself, mainly and personally, uh, I was interested to see that he's got a new platform started called Sessions, which is basically going to be a way for artists to perform live streaming, which is already happening a lot right now during this pandemic crisis. And it's probably going to have to be part of our everyday musical lifestyle for the time being is these remote concerts. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I haven't even had a chance to take a good look at it yet, but 
as a music guy, I'm really interested in how this is going to affect artists and how artists are going to, going to continue to survive in this world. More locally, I've just been really inspired to see some of the changes people are making. For example, you know, it's the student who actually introduced us, Brad, Rachel Sharp, and who you told me about and who has been 3D printing protective masks during the pandemic. I interviewed her for the Boulder Tech podcast a few episodes back, but really inspired to just see the response from her, to see Downtown Boulder Partnership, really working with a lot of local businesses to support them through this and to be there for them, whatever coming out of this on the other side looks like. And the, the different ways that the businesses are, are serving their customers now during this time. I personally love curbside pickup, like you, Brad, I'm hooked on it. Like I never want to step foot in a store again. And I'm also seeing a lot of talk about basically turning Pearl Street into a pedestrian mall all the way to Folsom. And maybe yes. even more than that, yes. allowing restaurants to build out little patios and terraces do it. outside so they can start serving people. And that's the kind of progressive thinking that Boulder has a reputation for, but hasn't really been expressing in the last several years, I think. And so I feel like I agree that this is a big opportunity for us to change the way we do things. And I'm just really excited to see how all of this looks and am remaining optimistic that we are going to come out of this as a better people, better economy, right. better society in general. Right. I uh, actually read last week that there was a big fight with AMC, the movie theater chain, and Paramount because Paramount went directly to video for one of their big ticket launches. And AMC is looking at this as a threat to their business. But personally, I don't want to go and sit in a movie theater with 200 strangers. But I do think, I mean, that's a big business. And I think that well, that is really going to be altered. Yeah, well, I think so too. All right. Well, so BoulderStartupWeek.com, uh, Creative Distillation. You can find us at the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship at the Lead School of Business. And uh, anybody have any final words they want to they yeah, share? Yeah, it was great having Eric uh, as a guest today, Jeff. So Eric, thank you. We, uh, yes, we'd like to leave indeed. an open invitation to hopefully come back and join us. Uh, yes, come back and argue about research yes, with us. So, it's so, way so. Well, thanks, gentlemen, for allowing me to jump on your, your podcast. It's awesome what you're doing. I look forward to... Uh, what is it? A ten thousand millions of of uh, listens and impact uh, around <laughs> yeah. the world. Yeah, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get. This there. is a lot like uh, this is like like being a bluegrass musician, where you can make literally hundreds of dollars every year <laughs> doing it. <laughs> well, no matter what, there's going to be a tasty beverage involved. That's all I know. Yeah, that's so, right. It's a lot like bluegrass. I'll yes. thank you to you as well. Thank you for this all the help and support Here's you've given job. us. Yeah. Oh, sure yeah, no question about it. You but not, without you, this, this doesn't happen. Thanks for uh, anchoring an episode of my podcast for me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> You're really regretting this whole like uh, decision. My rum. <laughs> yeah. yeah you have to we, may have, we may have to do this again soon <laughs> next week. So thank you very much, guys. Take care. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. Fellas. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a creative distillation takeover of the Boulder Tech Podcast. And that was Jeffrey York and Brad Werner from the University of Colorado speaking with Eric Mueller, Executive Director of the Deming Center for Entrepreneurship at CU's LEAD School of Business. Learn more at colorado.edu slash business slash Deming, that's D-E-M-I-N-G, and subscribe to Creative Distillation via your favorite podcast provider.
The Boulder Tech Podcast is made possible in part by Boulder Startup Week Platinum sponsors Honey, Name.com, and the Downtown Boulder Partnership. We're also supported by Glider, a Colorado-based community movement and nonprofit that produces Boulder's Ignite and TEDx events, as well as Boulder Startup Week. Learn more and consider a donation at Glider.com. Our intro music is by Echo Deck. Hear more at echodeck.com. That's E-C-C-O-D-E-K. Our outro music is by Earthrise Sound System. You'll find them at earthrisesoundsystem.com. The Boulder Tech Podcast is produced by me, Joel Davis. Your feedback, criticisms, comments, and guest suggestions are welcome. Reach me at joel at dojo4.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here for the next episode of the Boulder Tech Podcast.